Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to Let's Talk TV Live. I'm your host, Barbara Barnett. Welcome to tonight's second special Stargate Universe slash Stargate show with our special guest, Joe Malazzi, and Happy New Year to everyone. Um, I'm going to get right out to bringing Joe in from the green room as I get my uh, warm up my cup of constant comment. So hang on. Hello. Hi, Joe. How are you? I am fantastic. Happy New Year to you and your family and your extended family of animals. Thank you so much. And they thank you as well, especially Lulu, the French bulldog. Yes, yes. You have pugs and bull- you have a bulldog and you have pugs, yeah? Yep. I'm really enjoying reading your blog. I- I've always been sort of a- an occasional watcher, but I'm loving your stuff about all the interesting foods that you're introducing. And, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's uh, the the blog is really a cornucopia of uh, of, of stuff. I mean, since I, I I haven't missed a day blogging in like six years, I tend to cover a wide variety of topics. Uh, usually, when you know when I'm in production, I tend to focus on 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 the show. So if you kind of backtrack and you're a big Stargate Universe fan, uh, you know, in the years that Universe was in production, you'll find a lot of uh, behind the scenes stuff that uh, I'm sure you'll find interesting. I already have. I've been spending Excellent. a lot of time in the last year on Gate World, so I looked up all the episodes while I was watching <laughs> all your notes. Fantastic. And, um, so that was kind of fun to do as well, and I did that uh, actually this afternoon again to kind of have some ideas to where to go with our conversation today. Um, just a mm-hmm. real quick note about a couple of uh, a new, uh, a couple of special shows. Um, tomorrow I'm interviewing. Adam Horwitz and Eddie Kitsis, who are the executive producers of Once Upon a Time and also the Tron uh, on the Disney Channel, the Tron animated series. And I'll run that interview, uh, broadcast it next Monday, along with talk about Once Upon a Time. And Jane Espenson, uh, the goddess of sci-fi TV writing, will be joining us again on the 21st of January to talk about her next episode of one appearance for Jane. So just a couple of those notes. Um, If you all have a question for Joe or for me, or you want to pop on in and say hi, the number is 718-305-6982. And if we have the horror movie experience of last week where the call dropped out, I found out how to get back in really quickly. So I hope I won't do that to you again this week. <laughs> you know, well, you know, I, I considered last week kind of a run through, you know, that the call drops out. I sort of wasn't following one of the callers. I think basically got all the bugs worked out. I think uh, this uh, this session will be smooth sailing. Oh, goody, goody, goody. Um, what I want to start with is uh, I thought I would put uh, be fun as I kind of warned you last week that I was going to put you through the gate world. Um, the, the, the viewers poll, the awards for season one and season two of SGU. And right. Yeah. So, and I actually went through it because I, I actually hadn't taken the poll or hadn't voted in the awards because to be honest, it was really hard for me to pick um, any one particular scene or episode. So I'm going to put you through that and I'll add mine at the same time and vote. Sort of. I will find it far easier, I guess. Is that what you're saying? Um, I'm not sure you will, but. You know, it's my job to put you on the spot, right? <laughs> I well, I appreciate it. I'm ready. I'm uh, I'm uh, I had a little bit of mead, and I'm uh, you know, I'm fortified. I saw that that you have mead. I have actually drunk mead. Is that the right word? I, I, or I've gotten drunk on mead. I'm not sure which is correct. Um, yeah, I think I've, the latter is correct. Yeah. <laughs> I've had it when I've been up to the Ren Fair uh, up in this area, and. Um, just having a general jolly old um, 
winter solstice party, stuff like that. People ser- tend to serve mead and grog and all that stuff. Also good for when it you're crossing. Oh. So, I'm sorry, you were going to say something. No, I was actually going to ask you the difference between mead and grog. If you I haven't figured that out yet. All I know is we used to have grog in our wineskins when we would go off cross-country skiing, but that was a really okay. Anyway, I want to jump into this, this poll here. Um, so what they did was on GateWorld, hi, GateWorld people. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, did I play our theme song? I don't didn't hear the theme song come in. And I, I want to play it. Hmm, I better play it because it was actually so. for the show, after last week's show, um, Zombies Rise from the Sea, who is a GateWorld contributor, Taylor Karras, emailed me like the next day, and he said um, – my show with you last week inspired him to write a theme song for my radio show. So fantastic! Let's hear it. Uh, this is actually only part of it, but here's here it is. So that's the theme. It was supposed. To, I thought it was supposed to play automatically at the beginning, and I apologize to you, Taylor, for it not starting off um, right away. Um, you know, before we get into that readers' poll, the the Stargate Gate World Awards, we've got a caller. Do you mind if we take a call first? No, let's go. Hang on. Hi, you're on Let's Talk TV with Barbara Barnett and Joe Malazzi. Who am I speaking with? It's speaking the zombies again. Hey, how you doing? I'm fine. I can't believe I got on first twice. I, I thought there would, be, there would be more people calling the second time. You know, there's a million <laughs> people in the chat room right now. There's like more than 20 people in the chat room, but not everybody's yeah. brave enough to call on in. So we played. I played a little bit of your great theme song, and it's kind of bizarre and discordant and sci-fi-ish. So thank you. You for know, I, I love it. I love it. When when Barbara said that you had uh, uh, created a theme song, I was afraid you were going to rap. And uh, I was pleased with actually what I heard. I, I, uh, I prefer that over a potential rap. Me too. Uh, thank you. But, um, when, when making music, you have to think about the thematic structure. I was, I was thinking about the action, the drama, the comedy when I was making that theme. You know, the piano, mm-hmm. the, the guitar, the horns. Horns represent drama. Horns represent absence. The guitar represents comedy, and the piano represents drama. Cool, cool. Nice. So, what do you have on your mind tonight? We have a couple minutes to take your call, and I know. And I, I have two questions. First off, Joseph, have you heard about the television series Babar? Babar. Babar. Yeah. Oh, sorry, ba- you mean the cartoon elephant? Yeah, the cartoon elephant. I, in fact, I have. Yes. Have you watched it? You know what? I, growing up, um, I wasn't that huge a Babar fan. I was more of a George and Martha fan. Um, so I have not watched the series. You should, you should really watch it. They have it on. A, you can buy episodes of it on Amazon. They're running the entire series on Tubo at an early time. I mean, you, you probably live in Canada, so you don't have Tubo. They do rerun it on Teletoon Retro if you're on, if you're on you're in Canada. Cool. Based on your recommendation, I will pick it up. I, I review the series. Okay, I do the same thing I do for Babar. I do for Stardate Atlantis and Stardate Universe. I write detailed reviews, analyzing the animation, analyzing the characters, analyzing the plot points and the decisions that they make. Great. You know, Great. after our discussion last week, um, you know, I was kind of confused about which exact reviews you were talking about. So actually, I went and looked up your reviews, and uh, I think they're great. You did a great job. I noticed that uh, you're not a big fan of the uh, the comic episodes. Or the, you know. I try to take Trinity. I try to take Harmony myself, you know. Okay. And my second question is this. In the second season of Stardate Universe, you introduced the background radiation that came from the universe, the missing. Yes, yes. Now, Now, in that background radiation, could an entire series be done based on a missing, bringing these people together with flaws, with incompatibilities, and making them... Focus on a better dirt. Get to know one another, you know? Just 
actually unified him, for lack of a better term. Hmm. I, I suppose Sorry, it could. You, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, Brad and and Robert had the idea. I mean, one of the nice things about uh, about Universe is that when Brad and Robert, you know, created the show, they knew where they were going. They knew sort of how they wanted it to end. And for that message in the background radiation figures into the ending of, you know, the, this, you know, we envisioned it maybe go, you know, we had hoped it would go five seasons. Fortunately, it didn't. Um, but, you know, the, you know, the end, you know, of the series, you know, would involve the revelation of sort of what the message, uh, you know, what, what this what this grand message uh, was. And, uh, you know, Brad pitched it to me. I thought it was the coolest thing. And, uh, you know, I, I talked to him after the series ended. And I said, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to reveal it? And he said, you know, just for the time being, maybe just hold on to it. Let's, you know, let's not, uh, you know, tip our hand and reveal it. And, I, you know, I totally you know, um, uh, you know, understand because, you know, this is Brad's baby and I think it's a terrific idea and hopefully some way, somehow he gets the opportunity to finish telling the story, you know, if not in another three seasons, which seems increasingly unlikely than some other, some, some other way. I know, I know. That's what I inferred from the season finale, uh, series finale, Dauntlet, you know, Stardate is just hibernating. We're not, we're, we're going to be back. But regardless of what happens, regardless of how we get done, we're going to be back. That's what I inferred from the series finale. That sounds great. That sounds sounds like a great hope. I know, I know. Um, yeah, very hopeful. Okay, well, thank you so much for calling in. You're welcome. Okay. Thanks. So, Joe, I actually wanted to talk to you about that background, the signal, because that really intrigues me. Um, mm-hmm. And but but I want to get to that in just a little bit. But I want to go back sure. to the to the season one to the moments it, that are uh, that are in the gate world um, awards so they okay. start with the, they start with the best Nicholas Nicholas Rush moment of season one and they actually have three mm-hmm. choices but if you want to pick one on your own or do you want me to give you the choices no I won't take the choices I think um, for me the standout uh, moment for for Nicholas Rush was in Twin Destinies. I think when he gives that speech to the gathered crew, and that that speech I think is just you know huge for him. And Bobby did such a fantastic job there because in that speech essentially uh, in, you know encapsulates Rush and you know everything he stands for, basically why he's on the mission and ultimately why they are all on on you know, essentially on the de facto mission. And, and uh, I, I just thought it, 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 it was just quintessential rush, uh, you know, through and through. And I, I just, that one stands out for me. Yeah. I, in fact, I think that might be among my top two or three favorite moments of the entire series. Um, yeah. It really, it's, it's, it's a heartbreaking speech. It is every, it explains everything there is about rush and his commitment to this, and and it's such a pivotal moment. That episode is. I know we're supposed to be talking about those moments in season one, but that's okay. I can go to Twin Destinies anytime. Um, but it's also such an incredible moment. That episode for uh, Colonel Young, and yeah. the expression of his, really his change of heart. Yeah. Um, which probably happened in greater good or just after greater good, but we didn't see it. And this is just, I think Rush is just as surprised as the audience is, which is just yeah. phenomenal. Um, yeah, I, I would have to agree with you. That's like the best moment. Do you have one from season one for Rush? Uh, for season one, I know, so now I'm trying to think in terms of um, of uh, um, what episodes fell in which seasons, but I, I believe... Um, season one. Uh, actually, for me, it's there's a one where it's a one where basically he uh, is at his wife's bedside. Yeah. Um, and human, and uh, you know, and just seeing that part of Rush. I mean, it's it's 
you know, it's kind of crazy, but I kind of liken it to Gordon Ramsay. I mean, you know, I'm a fan of the, the cookie shows and I watch with my girlfriend and we watch the crazed Gordon Ramsay on shows like Hell's Kitchen. And you think, you know, this inhuman uh, beast. And then you watch him on a show like The F Word, which where he's with his family and, and you see almost like a vulnerability there. And mm-hmm. it goes such a long way towards humanizing him. I mean, it's, it's kind of a you know, silly parallel, but I mean, that's the way. You know, I, I responded to to that episode. Uh, you know, Robert Cooper did a terrific job, wrote, directed it, and Bobby did a wonderful job. I mean, just demonstrating, um, you know, kind of that that, that you know vulnerable side of of, of Russia yeah. and, and you know, as, you know, evidence through his you know his love for his wife, and and so you know, it was just a, a very touching, touching, uh, um, you know, uh, you know, moment. I thought. Yes, yes. And in fact, those two moments from season one, season two, were the ones that were mm-hmm. voted on by the Gate World people. So you you matched with them. And with me, too, because um, I think that moment, I think Human was just such a, a beautifully done episode. Um, it, it establishes a pre-relationship, I guess, with Jackson and with Daniel and just kind of gives us a really nice handle on Rush again why he is the way he is to a large extent. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, I agree. So what about the best young moment? Uh, season one and two? Yeah, season one and season two. I think uh, season one, uh, my favorite uh, um, young moment was uh, in, at the end of Justice. Um, that final confrontation with Rush where, you know, he says, are we done? And Rush says, we'll never be done. And then he just lets him have it. And it's just all, you know, basically, uh, you know, this, uh, you know, how many months worth of, of, of aggravation and frustration just, you know, blows up and he just, you know, loses it. And, you know, and then he just, you know, walks back, you know, onto the ship and tells, you know, you know, tells Ray, you know, he didn't make it. It's right. just, you know, uh, again, like a side of, of of Everett, you you know, you haven't seen, and it's, it was just shocking. And it, you know, what made it even more interesting was that um, originally this episode was not meant to be the uh, mid-season uh, finale. Actually, space was supposed to be mid-season finale, right. but because we, for some reason, we ended up pushing the episode, it just be, it, it it turned out to be, I thought, an even better uh, cliffhanger. Just you know, uh, uh, Everett just you know making the decision you know, beating the crap out of Rush and just abandoning him on, on, on the world and then on, on that planet and then picking things up in the next episode and seeing the effect it has on, on, on him that, you know, he's not the type of guy that would normally do that. And, and you know, I, I just thought Louie did a fantastic job, yeah. which leads me to my uh, uh, season two uh, choice. And, I mean, nothing even comes close. I think I, I just thought that um, the scene where he uh, euthanizes uh, uh, Sergeant Riley, where basically Sergeant Riley, you know, you realize Sergeant Riley is not going to make it, and, and Riley says, you know, I, you know, you know, please, and he essentially kills Riley, and you know, we watched the dailies, and the dailies were very hard to watch because uh, Louis, I thought that was Louis's probably you know best moment in the series, just that performance there, it was just so convincing and so heart wrenching and so difficult to watch. I thought it was just brilliant. It really was. I was just, wow. It was one of those moments where you just sort of like, he's really doing this. Very believable. Um, I thought actually in season two, and that's a, that was an incredible moment. And by the way, um, 48%, it, it won um, the award for the best ever young moment on Gateworld. Um, I really thought that in Twin Destinies, which wasn't a choice by the way, they only gave three choices, mm-hmm. his decision to stay just yeah, yeah, me. Yeah, um, that, that was a great moment as well. That was a great moment. Okay, so we go on to uh, Matthew Scott. Matthew Scott. Um, for me, for season one, I really love that closing, um, you know, few – uh, you know, moments at the end of time, which is yeah. actually, uh, I think, one of my favorite uh, Stargate episodes of all time, where basically, you know, you think, they're, you know, they're, they're going to make it, and then you realize, holy crap, they're not going to make it again. And then it's him leaving that last desperate message to, uh, 
you know, to 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 uh, to the uh, you know their, their future selves, and I just thought that that was a fantastic, fantastic moment. I mean, just you know, not just for Scott, but just for the kind of the series as a whole, because it doesn't really wrap things up in a nice, you know, nice no. neat little bow, and you just have to give it a little thought and realize, okay, that you know, it's a self-contained episode, and the fact that everything's fine in the next episode means that things worked out. But I, you know, I I, I just love that episode. I love that scene. And that episode, of course, was the the episode where they uh, discovered the venom of, from the little yes. critters, which is why they actually yep. had to go back on the planet, even though they knew those critters could kill them. Um, but exactly. that really becomes very important as an anesthetic and as a and as an antibiotic and all kinds of things that it does. So um, I thought that was kind of a cool uh, trigger moment in general. So what about season two? Um, season two, again, the, you know, for me, it was the scene. I don't remember the episode uh, name. Um, sorry, it doesn't come on. It's just off the top of my head. But it's basically the scene where, you know, uh, uh, Everett's, Everett's at the end of his rope, and basically he feeds command. And basically mm-hmm. Scott just confronts him in his room and, uh, you know, in his quarters and tells him, no, you don't get to give up. I mean, it was such a terrific um uh, um, you know, moment, and just like such a terrific scene. Um, yes. You know, kudos to actually my, my writing partner, Paul Mully, uh wrote that scene, and it was powerful. And I remember actually the, the actors loved it because it was just a really nice, meaty, you know, you know, emotional scene that just really got to the, the you know the crux of these two characters and the relationship between Scott, who Scott was, you know, who 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 uh, ever was, and what these, you know, what they meant to one another. I just. You know, I, I uh, you know, it was really nice to see how the, the the actors responded to it, and just, you know, it showed in their performances. Um, you know, Brian and Louis were 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 terrific. Oh yeah, I I just thought that was trial and error. Um, that was just a yeah, really yeah. really yeah, that was just a great episode, and it kind of you know builds on where Scott was coming from all the way back from um, incursion. You know, where he mm-hmm. saw Young just pummeling the hell out of Telford slash Rush and um, you know where he was really beginning to kind of question things Um, I also thought that the and by the way that was the one that was voted on by the uh, Stargate um, uh, contributors as well I also like the moment in Malice where he um, you know not confronts Rush but kind of you know sees where Rush is and, and actually com- reaches out to Rush and comforts him um, in Malice, yeah. which is one of my favorite episodes of all time, too. Um, so great. Those are those. Are, and by the way, that the moment in, in time was also the one voted by the Stargate contributors as well. So now we move on hmm. to TJ. So you got, you know, you're really pretty much in line with where, uh, Stargate, oh, Stargate, Fine, uh, I guess sorry. So. I know. Yeah, Gate World. I keep saying Stargate Gate World people. Gate world people are. So, okay, so now we move on to TJ. And what's her, her yeah. best moments? Um, you know, I can, I mean, I'm not sure if it's in season one. Um, what do I, uh, no, maybe I'm thinking season two. When was, when was Divided? Divided season was. One. That was season, season one. Season one, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 two, then two. Two two moments come for for me for 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 TJ and, and I love love Elena. It just basically she had such wonderful dramatic range. She could play you know sort of the tough soldier, but she also yeah. has that compassion and yeah. and uh, you know that that just you know you, you know you could just feel it through you know your, through your TV screen and just for her um, for me it was two moments. One in divided where um, she's basically being held uh, you know captive by the civilian. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, side, you know, side of the ship, and then, um, you know, you know, they hear shooting, and they're like, you know, what's going on? And she just gets up, and and I forget the line she says, but something like, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, you know, no, this is war, and that's what we do. Yeah. And you see kind yeah. of that, you know, this, you know, the soldier and her come out. And then the other one uh, was in Faith, where she, um, you know, she makes a decision that she's going to stay on the planet. Mm-hmm. You know, in for, you know, the best interest of her, of her child, and I thought, you know, you know, those are like, you know, two two sides of, I guess, the TJ coin. One is that, you know, the soldier side, like the strong, yeah. 
you know, fearless side. And the other side is sort of the, you know, kind of the more vulnerable side. She's, yeah. you know, um, you know, the expectant mother. So, I mean, you know, Elena did the, you know, it was, you know, fantastic in both. She did. Yeah. I also loved, uh, loved her in the hunt. Um, yes. she take, yeah. yeah. Right. Which is one of your episodes, I think. Yes. And, yes, in and I love that episode yeah. for her um, where she actually has both of those sides really prominent um, mm-hmm. in the cave. And she really takes a chance with the creature and, and how she affects Greer, who then mm-hmm. kind of backs off. I was just a, I thought that was a really great moment for her as well. So um, yeah, we've got another call. So I'm going to take that call and we'll go yeah, back sure. to the to the readers poll. Hang on a second. Sure. Hi, who am I speaking with? Hello. Yes, Are you hello. just listening? Hi. Hi. Welcome um, to Let's Talk TV. Thank you. Uh, Happy New Year, folks. And it's a pleasure to have you, Joe, out back on the show again. Thank you. Thank you. And I called last week, so this is just a continuation of my curiosity about the show here. Um, sure. Names. Uh, yes, uh, names Drew. Um, so I kind of wondered, uh, like you folks tend to stay so accurate to um, just the general, uh, you know, vastness of space and the emptiness of space and, uh, you know, the kind of uh, emotional toil that it can take on people out in space, you know, besides just the whole sci-fi of, you know, folks running into these aliens and whatnot. So I just want to know, like, what does it take for you guys to write something uh, that's so wholesome and dynamic and, like, uh, pretty accurate to what, like, human beings could face when they, you know, go out in space. Because you're not always going to run into some creature, but, you know, you're going to be traveling for months and months before you get to the next planet. So what does it take for you guys? Do you do a bunch of research, or, or how do you go about writing? Yeah, I, yeah well, I mean, the first off, you know, I, you know, I, you know in, your, in your description, I mean, it, it sounds like, you know, it's you're comparing almost the two different shows. I mean, the Atlantis and SG One were the type of shows where every, you know, would be more of a high adventure series where basically every episode they would step through the gate and encounter a, um, you know, a new, you know, a, a new race or a new, uh, you know, so there's new technology. And basically, you know, they were fun episodes, but you know, the, the character growth would come, uh, you know, come about over the course of the series as a result of sort of, you know, the adventures they go on in in. In universe, it was a little more self-contained in that, you know, we, we tried to be sort of, you know, obviously within the parameters of science fiction and, and, and you know, making it as entertaining as possible, you know, try to imagine, you know, as you said, what kind of a toll it would take on people to be, you know, tra- you know to be trapped on, you know, and essentially this, you know, giant tin can traveling through space for God knows how long. And so rather than going right. for the you know, adventures of the week, we, we, we focused on sort of the human drama and, and you know, sort of for, the, you know, for the, the first three episodes, it was, you know, them, you know, you know, cussing, you know, going accustomed to, to, you know, coming on board, going accustomed to the ship systems, having to find water, um, you know, this, you know, the, the, you know, the search for food, basically it, it, it's no picnic. Uh, and, you know, yes, there was a, there was a significant amount of research done, um, you know, by the individual writers, and you know, I mean, I mean, again, I mentioned specifically Brad Wright, who, um, you know, uh, you know, basically we would read everybody's scripts, obviously, you know, and, and the writers would, you know, give each other's notes, but you know, Brad, you know, is a stip- has always been a stickler for, you know, for, you know, for for science and logic, and and you know, he would basically bet everything, and you know, as I mentioned last week, we had John Scalzi, who's a fantastic, I think, the premier writer of science fiction. Uh, out there today, I don't know if you've read any of the stuff, but I highly recommend Old Man's mm-hmm. War. It was the um, it was a novel that basically uh, you know introduced us to him and and really the, the that that won him the uh, creative consultant position on the show. And he was you know terrific. And you know we also had a science consultant on the show, and you know also mentioned just on an individual basis, Carl Binder, uh, one of the show's writers and executive producers, has a daughter who is a uh, Again, you know, I should have looked into this before I, I came back on, but I want to say astrophysicist. Um, okay. uh, but, uh, you know, and she would bet his script as well, or, you know, or, or if basically there was a situation we weren't sure of, we would always clear it with someone. And, you know, and, and so we tried to, you know, try to be as, as, as true as possible, A, to the science and B, to the human condition as, you know, as possible. But again, 
you know, within the realm of science fiction, you know, realizing that, of course, you know, there, you know, certain things were, you know, may not be as realistic, but I mean, for the sake of drama, we're going to give it a little leeway. Right, right. Cool. That's awesome. So, yeah, I really hope that you guys are able to just, uh, if you, whether it's continuing the show via another season or through a film, uh, just to let the audience kind of fill in on uh, whatever happened to that intelligence that, you know, that Rush discovered and what Destiny was built for. Um, I hope you guys you know, can be able to continue that story for us. As do I. I and I'm sure I speak for, you know, all <laughs> of us uh, who work on the show. Absolutely. Cool. Okay, well, great. Thank you so much for calling in. Thanks. Yep, thank you. Bye-bye. Um, you know that there's a there's a group out there called Save Stargate Universe, and they're a Facebook yep. uh, organization. And uh, they had uh, asked me to make sure that I uh, I make you aware of them, and that they are pulling for Stargate Universe to find some way to finish the story. Um, the that signal um, just really. When it was in, when when Rush discovered it in season two, and then as the season went on, of course it became very important to SGC as well, and you know really mm-hmm. really became a driving force. That and the drones. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah. As the, yeah, those drones um, as the season went on, and you know it, it kind of that nexus between science and faith and science and religion has always been something really interesting. Uh, to explore, and of course, there, there's a great, there's a wonderful book called uh, God and the Big Bang, um, and there are books that address physics and religion and physics and faith, and, and one of my favorite quotations from Albert Einstein is uh, is the nature of co- on the nature of coincidence, where he says coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous, and when mm-hmm. we, you know when you when you get that signal and you kind of wonder. Are they driving at some sort of understanding of intelligent design, or, or are they going somewhere else? And I know you can't tell me the ending, but can you give me a little insight at all into what you guys are th- were thinking um, about that signal without giving anything away? I know that's very hard to do. It is very hard to do. I mean, I you know I I uh, I would say it is actually one point that I will have to say no. I I, I honestly can't. Um, offer too much insight without really, you know, tipping it. Uh, you know, again, I'd have to defer to Brad, who uh, is not on this uh, on this call, but uh, you know, hopefully if uh, he's at a convention near you, you can ask him. I, you know, I'd be surprised if he actually reveals any more. Um, I think he, as well, is kind of holding out for hopefully, you know, uh, the, the opportunity to be able to sort of end the story properly. That would be great. Just, you know, everyone who's listening, and by the way, from last week's show, there were more than 2,000 people who listened to the broadcast in the last week, which is awesome. Right. Wow. Um, that is awesome. So everybody who's listening, you know, bombard MGM and Sci-Fi and whoever else you can do it, can can talk and ask about it. Um, you know, tell them to, to bring back Stargate Universe in some form and check out that uh, Save SGU Facebook page as well. So let's go back to our uh, GateWorld readers poll. And sure. I think we're on the best Ronald Greer moment. Okay. Um, okay, for season one. Um, hmm. um, you know, just in, you know, in general, I think it wasn't really a scene, but but for me, the episode where, um, you know, he I, I think the episode was lost. Where basically we he flashes back and we we see uh, his life as a little boy and his father, who you know not physically abusive, but you know certainly mentally abusive, and, and you know sort of you know how that you know kind of shaped him. Uh, uh, you know, and, and, and turned him into sort of who he is. I thought that was very insightful, and I thought, um, um, you know, Jamil did a, a terrific job there. Yeah. And then, you know, on the on the flip side, similarly, I guess season two, um, I go to the hunt because, uh, um, you know, it was an episode that I wrote, and you know, I was there on the day, and and I, I just thought, 
uh, Jamil did a terrific job in that in that moment where he's sitting down and you know they're taking a breather after after one of the one of the uh, creature attacks and he's talking to James and basically he reveals for the first time that he was scared and he's sort of a a guy who you know as far as he's concerned has never you know never known fear or you know admit as much and that you know uh, and here's a moment where basically we see you know a vulnerable side to to Greer where basically he opens up to James and says look you know for the first time I was actually afraid and Mm -hmm. you know I don't you know I you know and and I uh, you know I thought Jamil nailed it oh he did I have to ask you and and, um, I've heard Jamil on some of the commentaries and he's such a different Guy. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he is wild he is, on those commentaries. He is uh, hugely, hugely entertaining. I mean, basically, I'm, uh, some of the stories that he would come up with, uh, you know, I, 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 I just shake my head. So I have that. That kind of uh, begs the question. Um, the actors obviously bring little bits and pieces of themselves. It's almost kind of impossible not to. Um, but how different are, you know, it's obviously Greer is so different than Jamil. And I think Louis, too, is very different than um, Young is. So do you have any, yeah. you know, any stories that kind of express those differences? Any, any, any stories that ex- to share? Um, let's see. Well, I was just thinking of one Jamil story where um I mean it just the craziest thing happened to the guy and uh I remember him coming in and telling us one story where basically he was getting out of a cab and it was like you know it's we're in Vancouver and it's always raining and so basically it rained and uh he got out of the cab and his the keys to his apartment thought was pocketed into a uh, a storm drain and basically he couldn't, you know, it was basically, he couldn't see the keys. They were, you know, the storm drain was filled with water. He was kind of reaching down. He couldn't reach it. And a homeless man came by and said, hey, uh, you know, for, for, you know, $5, I'll go down and get your keys for you. And and Jamil said, sure. And so basically the homeless man went down and was looking around, you know, and basically he would, you know, couldn't find the keys. And, and it reached the point where he kept on going up and down and, uh, you know, and I, I think then another homeless man came by, and I think he was he was offering him like five dollars for 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 three minutes. Uh, you know, and and it reached a point where basically he was actually holding one of these guys by their ankle, and they were upside down in the storm drain, oh uh, searching for his keys. At which point, basically, a policeman came by and said, you know, uh, you know, you let him go, and he said, uh, no, I still got like whatever a minute and thirty seconds. Um, <laughs> And that pretty much, you know, sums up Jamil. It just you know, the way he told the story. It wasn't it wasn't meant as an amusing anecdote. It was just sort of a, you know, a matter of fact. He's like, what? Yeah, of course. You know, basically, I paid this guy five dollars. I still have like, you know, a minute and thirty seconds left. And uh, you know, that's uh, that is one story that I remember of Jamil, and he was endlessly entertaining. Uh, you know, I have to say that 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 cast through and through was was terrific to work with. They were supremely talented, but just incredibly incredibly nice incredibly professional and uh you know that's one of the saddest things the fact that they didn't get to do you know the, the you know a full five-year run i thought that, that you know that 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 was unfortunate i've heard that uh that robert carlisle is quite different than uh his counterpart rush yeah yeah well. not as much screaming and uh you know and, and collapsing you know as you uh bobby is actually surprisingly soft-spoken like i said very professional he you know, he, you know, he's always on, you know, on set on time and, you know, you know, you know, it's in his day and, and very, you know, self-effacing and, you know, just, you know, very, you know, very you know, pleasant to work with. Cool. Uh, you know what? We have another call. Wow, we have a lot of calls from my area code. Sure. Wow, this is wild. I wonder if it's someone I know. Hang on one second. Good evening. You're on Let's Talk TV Live. Who are we speaking with? Hi, this is Jeff Wilson from Chicago. Hey, I'm from Chicago too. Cool. Oh, you're welcome you're in the show. Okay. Welcome, welcome to the show. What's uh, what's on your mind? Hi, uh, well, hi, Joe. This is Jeff from Chicago. Hey, how goes? Uh, it's going pretty well. I recovered from my flu, so I'm <laughs> doing all right. Oh. One question I always have with SGU is that you know the last episode where Eli is. Um, essentially the caretaker of the ship now as it's going off into the intergalactic uh, distance. Um, yep. Of course, that's a big cliffhanger coming into Season 3, and I know at the 
point when you all were planning this, you hadn't known that the show was going to be canceled yet. Had you right. uh, reboarded the uh, the breaking episode for season three? Is there anything you can tell us about that? Any resolution that you can give us? Um, you know, I, I'm just going to access my blog because at um, when the when the episode aired at that point we did know it was the uh it was the finale and um and uh i did a special blog post where basically i essentially broke down the different scenarios we had discussed i mean at that point i mean you know, we hadn't really um talked about in any great detail what we would have you know uh what would have happened um but we discussed kind of in kind of in general terms and so basically we had different ideas and and um um yeah actually i've got it right here basically on my blog may 12 2011 stargate universe beyond season two what might have been and actually that was my uh, it turned out actually in six years my most popular blog post at the it, i got twenty thousand um views that day wow and uh uh, and you know, you know, looking it over here, I'm just thinking that you know there was the uh, the, uh, the the Eli fixes the pod was one scenario. Um, um, you know, there was the the scenario where basically he taps some hitherto unexploited power reserve, which allows him to extend a life support for three years, and basically that would be sort of the the, the you know the, the minimum time that 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 the ship would travel. Um, I, you know, another possibility was either if he fails to extend, you know, the, the life of the pod or extend life support, that he would actually, you know, upload his consciousness to the ship's computer, which mm-hmm. I kind of liked. I thought that was kind of a, a you know a cool, potentially surprising, um, um, you know, uh, you know, twist. And so th- those are, in general terms, some of the uh, some you know some of the ideas we had thrown around. And then more specifically, we're we're talking about starting off season three with the introduction of. Um, of a military force and sort of, you know, a space-faring uh, military force and armada, essentially, you know, what, you know, however Eli manages to save himself, basically they're still on this seemingly endless journey, but they end up being rescued by, um, or so they think, by by this military um, uh, 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 military race, space-faring uh, race, and, and it turns out that they are you know their own de- de- descendants who you know like like in in epilogue they they encountered um except you know they are far more advanced and they've taken to to you know to space and and they will they have designs on destiny and um and so basically they're going to attempt to you know wrest destiny from us and so basically that was one of the ideas and then when it seemed as though maybe we might not get picked up we were uh, you know, Brad was pitching an idea that maybe you can do like a one-off movie where you would still introduce this military race that um, ends up taking destiny and um, uh, Stargate Command launches an op to retake the ship. And it, and the, um, you know, it, part of that op would be comprised of members of SG-1, members of Atlantis. And so it would be a real, you know, a true sort of three... Hmm. Uh, three series, you know, crossover. I thought it was just such a terrific idea and a great way to end the series. But you know, unfortunately, we didn't even get the opportunity to do that. So, uh, um, you know, it, uh, it you know it remains uh, as uh, you know sort of interesting reading on the blog, I guess. Great, yeah, yeah. Thanks for calling, by the way. All right, thank you, Robert. Thanks. Um, one of the things that was kind of interesting that that I kind of thought about was in Gauntlet, you know, had twin de, in twin de, uh, sorry, in Seizure, had Stargate, had Telford and Young not pissed off the Langarans, mm-hmm. you know, they would have maybe had some access to Destiny. Um, and, yep. it, it was a, and we talked about this a little bit last week where we were talking about consequences, you know, and, and little threads that are dropped and they come back later to haunt everyone. And that kind of um, occurred to me as one of really major one where, you know, wow, they lost their chance. Of- yeah, in fact, actually, you know, that you mention it, and you know, we were on the topic of of uh, you know beyond season two and and or the movie, but you know, one one of the possibility was that in that time that they were asleep, they could have brokered a deal with 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 the Langarans, at which point, you know, Telford could have, you know, led a military excursion onto Destiny and and 
you know, uh, you know, be populated with sort of more military personnel, and you know, in which case, I don't know, you know, it, it would have been really a one-way journey. But you know, you, you you know, you could have injected new blood into the series. That 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 was another possibility. Right, right, right. Um, and then also uh, in the realm of those kinds of consequence episodes, of course, in Twin Destinies, um, going ahead and and make dialing in the star like that. And with everyone going through the Stargate, of course, Telford goes through to Earth, but what happened to everyone else? Well, they weren't dead, right. which we find out in Common Descent, but that, again, was like a real consequence of that yeah. of that dialing. And that was, that was actually one of the things, I, again, we talked about it last week, that just really pulls me in the series, pulls you into the series is that narrative, that sort of... Uh, keeps going and, and brings you back into earlier episodes. You can't really watch them as standalone episodes to a large right. extent, but but why would you want to? <laughs> so I want to go back and finish the uh, Gate World Readers poll. Sure. With the best Eli Wallace moment. How can we not do Eli? So let's do Eli. Uh, for me, for season one, would be the end of season one, where basically, uh, you know, Chloe is exhausted and he's on the run. They're both on the run from uh, from the Lucian Alliance. And, you know, there's a point where basically he has to pick her up to really carry her. And, and I, you know, I just thought that was, you know, so heroic. And, you know, it just, you know, uh, you know, he, he's basically up to this point, just kind of the geek, the, you know, her- heroic in, in a you know, very different way, in a very non-physical way. And you know, here he is, you know, literally sweeping the love of his life off her feet and, you know, basically struggling, you know, as my lazy can to, you know, to, 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 to save her. And I just thought that was, you know, epic Eli. I, I love that. Yeah. He um, to be a real hero there. Yeah. And then, and then the flip side for, for season, season two, I think again, the finale where basically he, yeah. uh, elects to stay behind. He makes the decision. I'm going to stay behind. And then, you know, you know, we you know, we do the 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 you know the bookend uh, sequence where all the lights go out, and then we find him in in the observation deck, and and with you know just kind of a bit of a smile on his face because that's exactly where he wants to be. And right. you know, again, it just kind of distills that uh, you know if you know who Eli is, and that 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 split second, that smile, I thought was you know wonderful. He really had such a, a nice growth during the two seasons, just from being. Mm-hmm you know, this sort of hacker dropout guy um, to yeah. really stepping up. And uh, it was really nice to see that growth over two years. Um, I mm-hmm. also, you know, back in, in season one, I also loved um, in time that wacky conversation about, uh, you know, sort of desert island movies. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Rush, yeah. Which was ticking Rush off completely. But uh, <laughs> I thought it was really, really fun. Um, I agree. Empire Strikes Back would definitely be on my list. Yeah. Uh, so let let's move on to Chloe, who also um, grew tremendously through the seasons. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, she's obviously more than I, I know that. You know, the 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 early comments were, I, you know, she's the the damsel in distress, but I thought she demonstrated you know, a lot more than that, obviously. And um, you know, one of the scenes that comes to mind is that. Um, Judgment. It's a judgment where basically she's defending um, yeah. uh, uh, Young, uh, uh, you know, who's 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 been on trial for um, for murder. And I thought that was, you know, great. I mean, just you know, from the, the kick-ass side of of, of Chloe. And uh, yeah, yeah, I thought Neil uh, Elise nailed it. So that you know, season one, and then season two, um, uh, you know, I I uh, I love this. Again, you know, off the top of my head, I don't remember which the name of the episode, but essentially, um, you know, she records her goodbyes and, you know, Greer comes in and, and, you know, they have that kind of conversation where basically she knows that Greer is going to be the one to end her life when the time comes and she's okay with it. And he appreciates the fact that she's okay with it. And it's just like, just a, I just thought a perfect moment between these two characters. Right. In visitation, I think that was. Visitation, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes, I also loved when she reacted to her father's death way back in, uh, I think it was oh, Air, yeah, yeah. Air Part 2. 
Yeah. Um, that was great. Somebody asked the question, yeah. by the way, um, not about that, to change subjects slightly. Um, sure. Somebody from Russia who has this uh, has a group called Atlantis um, Atlantis TR, TVRU in Russia um, asked, okay. Joe, where are Brad and Robert, where are Brad Wright and Robert Cooper now? Maybe in stasis pods on Destiny because we have not heard anything. No, you know, in fact, they are not in stasis. They are actually being quite busy. Um, you know, I, I, I see more of Rob because he was in my uh, fantasy football league. Uh, so we got together every Sunday and he's working on multiple projects. And and uh, I suspect that, uh, um, you know, we'll hear something from him very soon in 2013, um, you know, with regards to sort of a show. Um, you know, uh, Brad, um, uh, you know, I've exchanged emails with and basically he's been working on a couple of other projects as well. And, um, you know, uh, you know, I, I can't say too much, but uh, I think Brad is a terrific writer. And uh, the last thing I read of his is, I, I think, terrific. And, you know, another something in the realm of sci-fi as well. And I'm hopeful that also hear something from him in 2013. I mean, you know, after like, well, for me, it was 12 years working on, on, on Stargate. And frankly, I was exhausted. I, I sort of made the mistake of not taking a year off. Um, in 20 uh in 2011 and uh but i mean i did not make that mistake in 2012 i decided that's it you know i i i continued to write but i didn't do any producing and 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 essentially set myself up for 20 2013 and i think uh rob and and, and brad did the same thing i mean you know in their case they worked i think it was like 15 15 years straight on mm -hmm. on, on a franchise and i'm sure they must have been i mean they 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 deserved some time off and I think they've taken it and you know even though they've you know haven't done any producing they've been very you know still very busy on the writing side and you know as I said I, I expect we'll hear something from them um, this year for sure. Cool cool so let's go back into this and we're going to talk about uh, Camille Ray moments. Coming. That is actually one of the things I miss most about working on the show was uh, Ming-Na's laugh. She was uh, you know, a hoot, I should say, to work with. Uh, so for her, um, uh, I'm trying to think. Probably, you know, the, 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 as much as I wasn't a huge fan of the Stones, the, 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 the episode where she ends up switching bodies with, with, with Perry, oh, uh, yeah. Dr. Perry. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, goes back to Sharon, you know, she's in the wheelchair and, you know, uh, I remember when we first, uh, we were casting Ray and, you know, we were looking at the tapes and, and, uh, you know, uh, but there, you know, several auditions and, you know, you know, at that point we were all very good, but I mean, like that, you, you know, it's just who you, who, who, who has kind of a better sense of the character. And then Ming-Na, uh, came on like, Holy crap! That's that's Ming Na, and and she was fantastic, and then that was a, really a no-brainer. And mm -hmm. you know, a, again, someone who's you know very pleasant to work with. In in the show, she was very serious. You know, the character of, of Camille was right. very serious, almost you know dour at times. And uh, again, you have sort of the flip side. Ming is wonderful to work with, and just hilarious. Just just really very you know joyful, very happy. Um, you know, just one of those people who you like to be around, you enjoy being around. Cool. cool. Yeah. Um, you know, that the episode where she switches with Perry, um, mm -hmm. sabotage, um, I, yeah. you know, in retrospect, and when I had read about it, that had been so controversial, um, I think yeah. because of people anticipating what was going to happen and yeah. uh, between um, Perry in uh, Ray's body and Rosh, and I was like, I watched it, and I was like, well, what was all the fuss about? Because mm -hmm. I thought it, it was it was done really well, and I don't know if there were changes made or if people were just kind of, you know, how people get um, when they get hold of uh, promos. Those promo monkeys can sometimes mess with your head. Yeah. But um, I know that was pretty controversial before it aired anyway. We, we were certainly well aware of the controversy beforehand. And also, I mean, ultimately, when, you know, we were we were happy with – with the script and, and, you know, what we, the episode we had shot. And I know there were a lot of people who were very nervous, but 
and I guess it's 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 natural to to expect the worst case, you know, the worst case yeah. scenario. But uh, you know, I uh, as I said, uh, you know, Brad and Robert are, are you know who created the series, and 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 you know, and and you know, Brad who led it through the the, the two seasons. Uh, um, you know, they're terrific writers, and and. Uh, uh, you know, I, I thought that episode was was fantastic, and I think it was Brad who wrote that episode. And, and it was great. And, yeah, I liked that a Good lot. Good to be right. Yeah. So the next one is best David Telford moment. I was almost going to not do that one because I have to be honest. Telford mm-hmm. was not was probably among all the characters my least favorite. Um, really? Yeah. I. I because he's a bad guy, or because? Yeah, you know I. I don't. I think because he was such a bad guy, I just never quite believed in the second season that he was so redeemed, and I don't think he mm-hmm. earned. I don't think he earned Young's trust at all, and I just, I just didn't like him. I disliked him. Not, not Lou Diamond Phillips, who did a great job, right. but I just never, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I, I think yeah. also you got to keep in mind that 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 they had a friendship. I mean, yeah. basically, we saw. You know, we got on board. Uh, you know, at a point where basically their 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 friendship had fractured, and 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 you know they were at odds. Um, but there was a history there. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, prior to that, and so you know, I, I think, you know, why I, I, I can certainly uh, you know see where you're coming from. I, you know, I think sort of from our point of view, we thought you know as, as someone who had that friendship, that strong friendship, to sort of be able to sort of remember you know that person, you know, you know. Beyond the you know the, the last whatever you know, sure. you know the last year, uh, you know that that's what kind of allowed allowed Young to basically um, you know you know say you know uh, you know let let bygones be bygones by bygones right. and and, yeah. and you know to reaffirm that friendship. So yeah. I mean for Telford, the redemption moment for me was was Incursion Part Two, where mm-hmm. where you know he he basically works with them as kind of a mole within the Lucian Alliance to sort of turn the tables on. Uh, on uh you know on kiva um sure. and then you know a, in a kind of in similar fashion in, in um i think it was awakening that was my episode where he you know he realizes that uh that, that he's not going to be able to get back to the ship in right. time but he he sort of you know you know reverse situation and sort of you know buys him enough time and you know he just you know he, he basically realizes he's doomed and he just basically tells young you know take care of those people and yeah. and that's the last we hear of him and yeah. and you know those two and uh you know uh yeah, I like that. Uh, yeah. yeah. dp also fantastic to work with uh, oh. a huge foodie by the way and uh, oh a foodie okay yeah man after your you own see him all over food network yeah Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah, my husband also hears him uh, narrate a lot of – my husband's a big History Channel buff, so he's always oh, yeah. here History Channel. So now we come – and I'm going to skip over a bunch of them because we're almost out of sure. time. I can't believe it. Wow, time flies. Um, I know. Uh, best episode. There's a hard one. That is tough. Um I guess for season one, uh, I call them the blueberry aliens, but uh, the aliens in space. I thought yeah. they were terrific. I thought our, you know, Mark Savell, our visual effects supervisor, and his entire team did a terrific job with those, uh, you know, with those aliens. And I, I think they were a formidable adversary. Just like in season two, I would pick the drones because they were really, I mean, uh, at the end of the day, they would, you know, they were unbeatable. I mean, they reached a point that there was no way they were going to beat them. And so at that point, they they realized run and and, oh, and that's exactly what they did and how we ended the season or the, the series, drones were wow that, that's got to be like the best adversary ever in anything they how could you fight mm. them can't fight them so okay now we get to ta-da 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 the best episode mm. um for me season one I've got to say, I love time. Robert Cooper wrote, directed, uh, I thought, the greatest time travel episode we'd ever done on Stargate. That was it. And I thought it was brilliant. And yeah. for um, uh, season two, uh, you know, uh, Carl Bender, I always thought was, you know, probably one of, you know, the, uh, you know, one of the best writers on the show. And just because he was able to do humor, he was able to do action, but he was so good at the character stuff. So, you know, episode two, um, season two epilogue, um, which, you know, in many ways could have been season ender. 
you yeah. know, if, 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 if we had known, you know, in retrospect, we, that's something we could have done is just made that, that um, episode, the season ender, but that I thought was brilliant. And that was, you know, Carl Binder at his very best. And, and uh, that stands out for me as sort of my favorite episode of season two. Cool. I think for me, ta- I have to agree with you about time for season one, as do mm-hmm. the Gate World uh, contributors, because that's what they voted for way above everything else. Um, and right. then in season two, I I would go with Gauntlet, Twin Destinies, or Malice. I cannot, I cannot, uh, can't pick among those three. Um, mm. I just can't. Uh, I really love Twin Destinies. Um, Gauntlet, I thought, was just a great ending, uh, you know, especially since the series wasn't going to go on. And that Malice, right. I thought, was really cool. And I loved the setting in the in the Bisty Badlands, which was kind of cool. And so I can't yeah, decide. Yeah. I'm, I can't decide. Oh, somebody's asking me, am I planning on doing a third part? <laughs> you know, you know what, I should, what I suggest, Barb, what I suggest is uh, you watch – uh, either SG One or Atlantis or both, and then I'll come back on the show and we'll uh, we'll we'll do a two parter on uh, on uh, either or both. Okay, that sounds really really good. I will do that. Well, thank you so much. This was well. Uh, thanks for having me. Thank you, and uh, have a great year. And I'm looking forward to maybe some more Stargate coming up in 2013. Well, we'll see what the future holds. Okay, thank you so much, Joe. This has been fun. Thanks, Barbara. Okay, bye-bye. Have a good night. Bye. night. You've been listening to Let's Talk TV Live with your host, Barbara Barnett, sponsored by Wireless One Marketing. If you need an app for whatever you're doing, if you're a small business, if you are a not-for-profit, please, please check out Wireless One Marketing at 847-637-2514 or visit their website. Next week, Monday night, we're going to be going back to Once Upon a Time, uh, talk to Eddie Kitsis and Adam Horowitz. So we will see you on Monday night. Good night and thanks for tuning in. Bye. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.